Hello and welcome to Out the Gate Parenting. Oh, on today's episode, I sit down with Rachel Garbury. Rachel is living in Kitty Kitty with her husband Dave and her 18-month-old son Bodhi. And together we talk about all sorts. It's a free-form conversation, so we just kind of chew the fat of becoming a mother in COVID times and how that affected both of our postpartums. Uh, EC. Um, diving into EC with our babies um, and the realities of navigating motherhood in a different way and being able to reach out and find community and support within that. So it's a really, really juicy conversation and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. So let's get into it. Good morning, Rachel. Good morning, Poppy. <laughs> How are you today? I am well. Waking up in my own bed this morning after 12 days on the road and lots of driving, lots of different vet beds, lots of socializing, catching up with friends. It's such a nice feeling to wake up at home, to the garden, to our own space. Yeah. Oh my gosh, of course. We went to Auckland, uh, I don't know, a few weeks ago now, but we were down there for a whole week or like seven, eight days because with two kids traveling that far because we live um, in the Hokianga. So it's like with children, realistically, it's a five hour drive. <laughs> and yeah, I was like, oh, when we got home, just that reclaiming of your house and just being able to wake up knowing that you don't have to say hi to anyone. It was so good. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's interesting. We live well. We were up in Kitty Kitty, and our previous life, I'll say, was down in the Bay of Plenty. So we have a beautiful, thriving community down there. But it is a seven-hour drive. That's without a toddler. And so every time we go down there, we've been up here just over three years, and there's such this yearning to see everybody. And to, we'll, oh, we'll do two nights here, two nights here, two nights here. Um, and it's always wonderful. And doing it now with a child, it's such a readjustment to, um, yeah, the reality that jumping in and out of the car, it's not just how it used to be with a backpack. It's, um, there's a bit more involved to, to the planning and every little space and making sure we've got all the bits and pieces Um and that just being a lot on a little human. Yeah, that's um, right. So we had a really wonderful trip. And now it always it always feels like a pilgrimage now. <laughs> where like it might have been in the olden days where you travel to share news and connect with people. Yeah, but it is a nice feeling to be home. I never thought about it like that, actually. I think that's a much nicer way. It's like a, it's like every, I mean, Tobias and I joke, but it's like every time we go out with the children, it's a, um, an initiation of some sort <laughs> into parenthood, further into parenthood of just like, oh my God, why the fuck did I agree to do this? <laughs> it's just so much sometimes, you know? Um, and also finding places to stay with little people is 
tricky. I think one was one thing. And now that we have two, it's like, yeah, it's limited us. But also, though, it's um, it's made us really clear on what we need to have in place. And it means that our journeys that we do take are much more carefully thought out. So today we are going to be having a bit of a freeform conversation. I think I've been looking forward to this conversation because I think even just the little bits that we've managed to connect um, on via the Instaverse on Instagram, I've been like, oh, oh, oh. And like, you know, I think there's so much um, to say about following your gut when you meet somebody because I think it's so hard I know that's a that's a loaded word but it's it's hard for me um connecting and making friends as an adult and then living rurally it's been a really tricky thing for me finding my community up here and through this podcast I've already met so many incredible women like you and just picking your brain of you know, what it's like nowadays to be, um, to live in the way that you want to live with intention, with creativity as a, as a, as a mother, um, what it was like becoming a mother in, you know, in COVID times, in, um, a time where there's quite a lot of kind of argument around, Uh, roles gender roles um what it means to be a stay-at-home mom feeling proud in that role instead of um the potential opposite of that and so I'm just really keen to get into it and I, I suppose for you my first question would be becoming a woman what did that mean for you and was it a gradual thing or was there a really clear time where you were like wow I love it um, because I've done a lot of work in the space of menstrual cycle awareness. Um, I did a lot of journeying back to that time of my menarche and receiving my first cycle, my first period. And it's interesting. I, I don't have really any memory of that time, but it did lead to conversations with my mother and for me, I, I connect that becoming a woman, at least with my body's expression of transitioning from a girl to a woman. Um, and I, there's a lot of sadness there that I actually don't remember that time and what it felt like. Um, but my mum did share that I was at a sleepover at my friend's house and that it was really like a non-event and that I just, yeah, I was, I told my friend's mom, I woke her up and, or I, you know, I said, well, there's something in my underpants and she gave me a pad and that was kind of it. And I don't really remember my mom, even when I get home having those conversations, but interesting. She also shared that she felt a lot of sadness that I wasn't home with her in that moment or that she couldn't have been the one that I went to. And now I feel, I mean, right now I'm 27 moons without a, a bleed, still in this season of, of new motherhood, um, but really coming into a deep connection with my cycle at age 26, probably 
was when I really was claiming my womanly, my feminine cyclical nature and really connecting with it in a whole new way. Um, even though I'll say before that, maybe in my early 20s, moments of coming into real womanly empowerment for me meant recognizing boundaries around my body, feeling confident enough to communicate those with other people mm. um, and claiming my own pleasure definitely in my coming into sexuality and really owning my experience of pleasure are probably things I'll say were yeah felt definitive for me in becoming a woman but it definitely wasn't overnight and still now every cycle it's like reclaiming that experience I didn't have as a girl uh, in those early teenage years. And I feel like it's such a process and unraveling where you have an experience, you connect with yourself in a new way, and then sometimes that'll take you back and you can kind of relive that or recreate that. And then you're thrust forward again into the next experience of pregnancy. And that's a whole new reclamation of becoming a, a woman in a new way. So it's I just love how the unraveling is always unfolding. The reason I like to ask women this is because I think in the pop culture lens and through the um, dismissive lens of modern day culture is that it is just an overnight thing. And all of a sudden, oh, you've got your period. Here's a tampon. Go deal with it. I was lucky, I I feel lucky to not have the um, sex ed BS that is in schools because I wasn't in school, but I can, I've talked with many girlfriends about what that meant and it was just a nothingness. It, they, they left feeling more confused, feeling more uneasy because they still had all these questions even that in itself as a concept to me blows my mind because it's not a question really. It's, it's like, it's a feeling that comes over you of needing to connect with other women, needing this kind of ceremonial side of it, this coming of age um, experience that I think a lot of women and men had back in the day. And I think, you know, I personally love that. I love that it would have been, you know, the boy reached a certain age and so the dad took ownership and took him out and and had those hard conversations and talked to him about sex and what his body was doing and women and men and claiming his masculinity in that moment and then the woman being able to freely, openly talk with the generations that would have been available to her. And so, yeah, I think the reason I asked that question is to shine light on the fact that it is not a linear thing. You know, you, you go, it's not a quick thing and it's not a linear thing. You don't go like, it's not, it's not simple. And, um, I experienced quite a different first period, I would say, um, than you did and that was bang on my 12th birthday and I ran downstairs or upstairs who knows and told both of my parents at the same time and then like days later I had a 
I had a party. <laughs> it was PPP party, Poppy's period party. And it was just, it was a lot. It was a lot at the time because I think it came out of nowhere a little bit. And we've talked about it a lot since, since then. Um, cause also there is a little element of the adolescent brain filling in gaps, you know, of like, but what happened? And oh, maybe it was this, but nope, there was a party. And I was, <laughs> I was very much like, Oh, and there was none of my friends there. And it was just my mum's friends. And now I see that as just an amazing, uh, progressive thing for my mum to do for me. Um, and I think what I've learned from that experience is with my daughter, I would love to, and I am starting to introduce ceremony in different ways. Like when she gets her first pubic hair or when she gets a bit stinky or like <laughs> whatever that is and just bringing awareness to her body bringing awareness and intention to taking care of her body um and same for my son but it's going to look totally different because he's a boy <laughs> yeah it's a it's an interesting it's an interesting subject yeah and what an amazing experience for you to have that as a 12 year old to have a rite of passage, this, this, you know, this ceremony with your mother and her friends. And I feel, and you know, what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing around me is we are on some level of our hearts. We are all so desperately seeking those rites of passage that our ancestors would have had. They would have been built into all the structures of social interaction and we've lost so much of that, the recognition that of, of what these initiations are into new versions of ourselves. Um, and so hearing that, you know, as a parent now, that you get to reclaim that for your children. Um, and I so feel the same and I can't wait to, yeah, to, to find our own ways of creating those rituals and rites of passage, because in many ways, we've forgotten or we haven't been taught that knowledge hasn't been passed down as it once was. But with that desire for that, there's also, I feel a deep remembering that we actually know how, and it's actually quite simple. And even as simple as sitting around the table together and having a few breaths before having a meal, you know, the just, wow, let's be together in this moment whatever the occasion, whether that's celebrating, you know, a birthday or the first day of a month or uh, any kind of celebration, we're just, we've, we've, we're going so fast paced that we just don't pause to really recognize what's happening right before our eyes. So I love hearing that you're reclaiming that for your family. And um, I love being a part of this culture shift that I think our generation is really instigating instant gratification is what's sought after now like if it's not instant and right there we don't want to know about it <laughs> and even just looking at the word maturing to mature something it's ju it just doesn't really happen you know not not in and look i say this very loosely it does in my family and we're trying we're working on it it doesn't happen all the time but we're aware of 
you know, now that we have a baby as an example, we're expecting quite a bit from our toddler. And it's like having to remind ourselves, wait, she's still only three and a half. She's still only three and a half. She's dealing with so much and new babies in the mix. She doesn't have mum's milk anymore. She has a very different side of me now and we're all learning together and to, to re-welcome that. But I think that's not happening a lot because there is so much fragmented family life now, you know, that everybody's working or the kids are in daycare or school or whatever that looks like. Um, and intergenerational living is not a, not a thing anymore, you know, um, for a lot of people. Yeah. It's fascinating. So on that, I'd love to talk to you about transitions and what that means for you. So we've just talked about the ongoing transition of becoming, you know, from a girl to a woman, whatever that looks like for the individual, but something that can be quite sharp and short is the transition into motherhood. So made into mother, how was that journey for you? Mm. Oh, yeah, I love that short and sharp. <laughs> Doesn't feel that way in labor, but you know, it really is, you know what I mean? <laughs> Um, definitely sharp. Um, yeah, I love that question. And having, I'll say that I'll start with my pregnancy because I feel my pregnancy was so slow, which was always the way we intended it to be. And I enjoyed being pregnant so much having, so still being in the maiden lifestyle, but with this body transitioning into motherhood but having the capacity and the time as maiden to sit with all of those changes and really be with them and observe them and have these long, luscious morning meditation and yoga practice and journaling with cacao, you know, just, I had such a divine pregnancy. And now when I look back on that as the last time in my maiden life where I really got to embrace that slowness, and not that I can't embrace that as a mother, but it is different. It's, it is just different. That's the reality. Uh, so the transition, I yeah, loved my long, juicy, slow pregnancy and had a beautiful birth at home with just my husband and our gorgeous doula. Um, and our midwife was there for the last few hours. And I felt birth was really empowering for me. And I'm so grateful to have had the birth experience that I dreamed of and oh, just that everything I wanted came into fruition and more. Um, but still, it's like the, the lead up to the birth, thinking to that word initiation. Um, it always makes me think of psychedelic experiences I've had <laughs> or working with plant medicine when you say you want you know, you want an initiation to deal with all these intense parts of yourself without the real recognition that it's going to be freaking uncomfortable. Um, so, you know, I'm just like, there's this growing energy in my heart throughout pregnancy of the initiation of birth, this initiatory experience into motherhood. But then being in it, it is just so intense and all encompassing and in your body, but out of your body, or at least for me. Um, and me 
<laughs> and then you've got your baby in your arms. And I was so blessed to have that process really honored by my sisters, my fellow mothers and maidens, by my doula, by my midwife, my partner. And even with the knowing it would be such a big change, this transition, there's still not really knowing what to expect. And I remember those first few months alongside the absolute bliss and sweetness of life with a newborn was such a feeling of overwhelm and exhaustion and like, what am I doing? This dance between I know exactly what I'm doing and this is so innate and easy alongside this is the hardest thing I've ever done and how am I going to get through another day without sleep? How am I going to feed this child again? Um, I feel like I was really, in the one hand, so knowing it would be the initiation and on the other hand, having no idea how intense the initiation would be. And yeah, I almost feel like that's something universal. Like people can prepare you and you hear so many comments about, oh, enjoy your sleep before you become a parent. And there's just no embodied experience for what that's going to feel like when you're in it. And you just have to go through it. Um, and there'll be different challenges for every mother. Um, but for me, yeah, I'd say the sleep deprivation was probably the biggest challenge. Just And having someone on me all the time when I just didn't, I wasn't fully prepared for how, even though, you know, you're in pregnancy and the body, my body was my son's habitat. It was his whole ecosystem. I wasn't fully prepared for that, that how long my body was still his home. It was still his ecosystem. I am still, he's 19 months old. I am still his habitat and he needs me to regulate. Um, so yeah, becoming a mother, how your capacity gets stretched in ways you never knew. It's hard to keep this answer quite directed. It's just kind of expanding. So <laughs> I wanted to know preparation that you did um, during your pregnancy and for your birth mentally to be able to prepare for a home birth as a first time mum. And then the second thing was you talked about, you know, how there's just nothing that can prepare you for, you know, everybody talks about I'm not quite sure, I haven't formulated this yet, but you know, there's, there's so much around us that says things like, well, like you said, you know, better get in all your naps now, <laughs> better, you know, enjoy your alone time now or have you know, whatever, whatever, whatever that is. And, and look, I'm not saying that that is dramatically affected when you have children, but what's not also said is it does get easier you adapt you you through communication and experience you and your partner learn how to be with each other in a different way as well as becoming parents that's what we experienced at least you know we learned how to be with each other in a different way and it opened up so much more for us you know like our sex life has improved since having children. Our intimacy has improved since having children. Our connection with each other and with ourselves as individuals has improved since having children. 
And I think, again, it's just about where you put your intention. But there is there is this big disservice that we're doing, um, I think, to young mothers by saying these kind of nothing things, which is these kind of almost rehearsed comments because it's just said all the time of, well, you know, say goodbye to your sleep. <laughs> it's like, who's that's helping nobody. <laughs> so probably a bit of a tangent as opposed to a question, but I just mm. want to shine light on that. Yeah, and I do agree that that's such an important thing to shed light on, the disservice we do when we make these comments without really thinking. Um, yeah, and how we have to find our own way through that and make our own stories um, around yeah, what those life changes look like. Um, so that first question, preparing for my birth, um, I, I did this beautiful online course based out of the States with these midwives called 13 moons. And it was uh, this course created by, um, home birth midwives with a real emphasis on natural physiological undisturbed birth. And so from really early on in my pregnancy, I felt so connected to the knowing in me that birth was not a medical event that pregnancy and birth was a natural physiological event that i was literally born to do so i had from day one just so much faith in my body being able to undergo this process i mean i didn't have to intentionally do anything my body knew what to do every step of the way and was kind of carrying me. So it was just about getting my, yeah, getting my my mind and my heart completely aligned to that body wisdom. I spent a lot of time meditating. I spent a lot of time reading and watching birth videos and reading birth stories. Um, a lot of time just sitting with myself, listening to my body, a lot of time writing really just doing whatever felt good on the day. And, you know, sometimes that would be a sleep in the afternoon, sometimes writing, sometimes a walk, sometimes yoga, but the constant thread of affirmation that went through my meditation practice and my journaling throughout my whole pregnancy was I trust my body and I trust my baby. And I mean, for me, all of that alongside the support of a doula who was completely aligned with me. Like when I was trying to find someone to support my pregnancy and birth, I, I think my description I used when reaching out to the Instaverse was, I'm looking for some, someone super witchy who believes in birth and is just going to support me in whatever choices I make. And, and then I met this beautiful woman, Zara, who's based up north and... Um, yeah, we had a Zoom call and then she came over to my house and we just spent five hours talking and I was like, yep, we're, you're my, you're my woman. Um, and yeah, just the being supported in learning to listen to and trust myself. And that was really, I feel like the biggest preparation I did leading up to the birth and then how that also has carried over into motherhood with some of these things around sleep and sleep and quote unquote extended breastfeeding <laughs> on demand or feeding 24 hours a day or co-sleeping. 
which is breastfeeding. Yeah. Feeding my child. Um, because so much still that practice of trusting my body and trusting my baby. It's interesting. I haven't thought about that till right now, but that mantra really is so important for me and my mothering as well. The tuning out all the noise, all the other Instagram account counts, all the information from community members, from Plunkett nurses, from neighbors, from, you know, anyone else. And just the, trusting in the choices I'm making that are best for my son and then trusting my son to make the choices that are also best for him in terms of what he eats and how much breast milk he has and how much food he eats. I completely agree and I think as well within all of that there's this especially since COVID there's been such a um, narrative of informed decision, informed choices, informed uh, birth, informed medical choices, and I think it's oh, it it's it's a tough one for me because I think actually what made me feel more informed was when I switched all of the pop culture media. Um, external stories off and I just went inward and I got what I knew to be true which was my own informed knowledge and wisdom of physiological birth of reclaiming my body in so many different ways um and there is of course a fine line for a lot of women i mean for me it was it really was just a clean nap i i switched off all of that kind of stuff because i truly believed that it wasn't there to serve me and i believed that and i believe uh that it isn't there to serve any woman i i do have strong opinions when it comes to the birthing system or industry as as it's called Becoming a mum, feeling fucking confused and being like, what, where's this intuition that everybody talks about? And then finally feeling that come in and be like, oh, okay, this is what it is. And learning our children, trusting our children. Um, and that's with anything that's with, you know, just breastfeeding as it is for us or just sleeping with them or you know everything has a name now to describe it um and it just yeah it's just mothering um yeah uh, just something that's coming up for me as kind of like a tangible example because some people listening might be like maybe still haven't connected to that intuition that feeling of intuition in their bodies and that's For something sure. so lacking in our culture. It's like we're constantly outsourcing authority on ourselves and on our lives and how we live. Um, and one way this has been really coming up for me in my mothering in the last six months, um, you know, my son's been eating solids. He's still mostly, he's still breastfeeding 24 hours a day. And um, but we've been on this journey with solid foods and just trying to, you know, offer him the best, most nutrient dense, healthy foods for him to eat. And I've been just on this journey with my mind of 
wanting him to eat more and wanting him to eat certain foods that I know are good for him. And I'm sitting there and I've offered all this beautiful homemade organic food that's got all the nutritional needs that he needs right now as his brain is growing and he's just not interested. And I'm like seeing that frustration in my own mind of wanting what's best for him. But he's there telling me with his body and, you know, with his being that he doesn't want to eat it and he wants booby. And I've been on such a journey the last six months of trying to trust him. And it's like as a child, if you have a parent who's shoving a spoon down your mouth, (laughs) when you are saying no, how does a child learn to trust their intuition and to trust their body? And, you know, I know that this is a little more nuanced, of course, if a child is exposed to like really sweet lollies they're probably going to want those lollies over, um, you know, a chicken liver pate. And, and there is, you know, this is, this is more nuanced than just a child knows what they want. But really, I think this relationship with food versus breast milk um, has been so humbling for me and just really forcing me to drop all the stories and everything I've learned and everything I've read about what he needs and trusting him to know what he needs. And if that's you know, getting 90% of his nutrition in a day from my body, from breast milk, and then having a little bit of fruit or some rice crackers, whatever it is, trusting that and trying not to worry. Um, yeah, does that, is that kind of a tangible, yeah, I mean, probably something a lot of moms can relate to, too. <laughs> uh, as well in that, because I can just hear, I've got a couple of girlfriends who I can just hear screaming at me. <laughs> Um, also sharing your body for that long can be really hard. It can be very triggering. It can be very, um, uncomfortable. It can, it can evoke anger and all these negative things that we are also told as women that we shouldn't feel. We are the nurturer. We are the, um, especially then, you know, I know it's not black and white, but if you were to go to the opposite side of being in the wellness community, and this is something I struggled with a lot was I feel anger when my two and a half year old is breastfeeding while I'm pregnant but I'm also seeing through all of this um bombardment if you will (laughs) of of a different type of uh mothering that sure I want to be more connected to but it is very much like tandem feed uh if if you're having resistance to your baby wanting to feed then maybe there's something that you need to work through and I'm not saying that's not true because it was, but it was very different. What the work I had to do to, to, to stop feeling touched out all the time um, was very different to the work I thought it was going to be. I thought I had to work on it with my, and of course I'm, this is my own experience. I thought I had to work on it with my child and then have the baby and then immerse myself into feeding two people um two lives um and it it just didn't feel good to me i had rage coming over i had um i would get 
dismissive of my toddler um, because I was very pregnant, very unwell. My first pregnancy was blissful (laughs) and my second was the opposite for about five months. I really struggled and I was performing the whole time. So I was pushing through and not listening to this thing of like, oh, if you just stop, if you wean Frank and then lean into this pregnancy, lean into these performances in with a different frame of mind, it's going to be easier for you. But there is this um, hangover that comes with, for me, that came with not asking the simple question or should I say not reaching out to other women and being like this doesn't feel natural I don't want to feed my two and a half year old anymore or I don't want a tandem feed or I don't want to co-sleep anymore um does that mean I'm broken (laughs) does that mean I don't have this intuition this innate maternal instinct that should override everything you know that's not what how it was for me at a point yeah it's very interesting so the reason I'm saying all of that again is I think there are a lot of women who will listen to this and be like well good for you (laughs) but I I don't want to share my body anymore and it's too much a hundred percent and I think if we relate intuition if we equate intuition with doing things the quote unquote natural way, we are doing a disservice to ourselves. (laughs) And, you know, I'll also add to that. I freaking get that feeling of being, feeling touched out. um, But having that pressure on myself to want to give him the best, you know, if, if he wants the breast milk, I have to give it to him as long as he wants. I think I had this idea going into mothering that I would feed my child as long as he wanted to feed and probably in the last six months yeah I've which is also what's been coming in with this um these mental gymnastics around the relationship with food is I'm like oh if he'll eat more food he'll have more he'll have less breast milk and I am finding that I have to set boundaries with my body with him and you know hearing you say that process of like oh if you're feeling triggered by your child's feeding then that's something you have to work through. And that's the learning is like, what's below that? Whereas I've found the learning for me has been setting boundaries and being lovingly firm with my child. You know, I am his first relationship with a woman's body. And if he sees that I can set boundaries and say no, sometimes he then knows he can also do that. And of course, then I have to hold space for him and be with him in another way. So he can process the emotion around a moment if I when I feel that rage or that anger <laughs> for the feed I'm like oh my god am I just gonna grit my teeth through this and let him keep feeding it's like actually no because that's going right through my milk and he's ingesting that so rather switching into that okay I'm mama's boobies really need a break right now um, but I'm here with you and I know that's hard and can I hold you instead how can we have another point of connection mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's it is so complex, isn't it? And you know, every mum will have a different journey of what feels good in her body with that breastfeeding relationship. And really no one else is in a place to tell any woman what's right for her and her child because it's such an intimate, personal 
relationship. Um, so I love that you brought that up. And there is so much overlap between the, you know, journey to solids and eating nourishing foods from a really nutrient dense food source that's on tap 24 hours a day. <laughs> um, you know, that also brings the connection and the comfort and the heartbeat and the smell and everything. Um, yeah, it is such a dance, which so much in motherhood mm -hmm. is. It's like w dancing those, walking that, um, finding the balance between what you'd like to do in theory and what feels within your capacity in any given moment and how to honor yourself whilst honoring your child at the same time. And it's, it's sustainability and sustainability changes. Part of sustainability in, its, in itself is really understanding where you're at. And that could go week to week. It did for me with Frankie. Um, I was so set on weaning her and weaning her out of um, my bed into Tobias's bed um, once Freddie was born, which of course didn't happen, you know, but I was, I was so set on doing it without any tears. I just thought, no, why, why does it have to be this thing of like, at some point she's going to cry and at some point um, you have to do the hard thing and she'll learn and it'll be okay. Um, and there were tears, there absolutely were. But what I, what I learned was that I was so dead set against any sort of sleep training, any sort of wean, forced weaning that, I let it cloud my judgment of also as her mum, I have to learn, like you said, to hold space for a big change that is coming. Um, and I had to hold her while she cried and I had to uh, offer her cuddles when she wanted booby from me. And, um, and it lasted both, both big transitions. It was one night of, not big tears either. Like we talked about it a lot. Her language is insane. <laughs> um, and yeah, from two years old, we were having full blown conversations. Like she's just next level. And so I just talked to her. I talked, I talked with her through it. And I, I appreciate that not every toddler has that tool um, of language, but you know, something I'm learning with EC with my, son is you know he can't talk and i now know when he needs a poo or a wee but oh there we go that could be a really good um example actually because in the ec community if you don't do a deep dive like i didn't <laughs> um I was like, oh, I'm just going to know his cues and it's going to be easy but what i didn't realize is that part of the ec learning was that he learns how to give me cues so through our learning together that okay we want to try and be out of nappies by whatever date that is whatever we achieve that's great but till then we're gonna have to start working together and so now he goes mm, 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 when he needs a poo and he does a physical tummy jolt when he needs a wee. And every time now, um, well, you know, look, that's a total lie. Not every time at all, but most of the time <laughs> I can catch it. I can get it. And it's it's an interesting thing that 
I had to I had to introduce and provide a platform for him to be able to be like oh okay no 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 no. I am gonna start helping her out now because she's not getting it I'm gonna give her a bit you know a bit of a a cue here and yeah I just think it's I think it's very interesting with the breastfeeding and with the sleeping you know like the the line between um as a parent knowing that they are ready and that they are still a child needing our guidance and for us to set boundaries so that they can have a clear um space to exist in to live in no no you know and allowing space for them to be a child it's such a yeah it's full on (laughs) and i it i think what i'm what's coming from mind for me hearing that is just how all of these processes whether it's weaning transitioning to independent sleep eating solids, being, you know, uh, nappy free, our culture and in mainstream um, narrative has just placed all these. And I think you've touched on this, like just all these really, it's like a word, oh, weaned, (laughs) independent sleep, potty trained, eating solids. We just have this, you know, we're not really guided ourselves as mothers through the reality of what these changes and transitions look like just like what we talked about earlier with that transition from into becoming a mother into becoming a woman. These are processes that take months or, you know, if not longer, like long periods of time, it's not like you just get to a time of being potty trained. You might be having, and we also did EC with our son. So I really resonate with that with the, like, I find myself saying, if I'm talking about EC, I'm like, Oh yeah, we catch everyone. Um, or he always communicates, but as any parent listening to this will know, there's a dozen reasons why your child won't communicate something with you. They're engaged in deep play. They're in a new space. They're feeling a bit nervous. They're hungry. They're tired. Um, there's always a reason why if you think you've reached a point in parenting that the journey shifts and you have to pivot and it's like you know maybe a child is sleeping independently for a little while and then they have a tooth come through and everything changes or maybe they've been weaned through the night but then they have a fever and as a parent you're like it's so easy in our culture to think oh I've got to this point of night weaning and now I can't go back or you know I've got to this point of being out of nappies and now I can't put a nappy on in the car or you know with all these all these pressures we put on ourselves to reach the end goal, the destination, not recognizing that we, and this is where that trust comes in. We have to learn to trust ourselves to know what's right on any given day um, and take that pressure off to like be at the end point. Um, Yeah. Um, Something that came up for me just then, which is so true of me, I think. And, and please tell me if you agree, but because we're such little fish, you know, going against a strong current of um, 
sleep training, your child should learn to sleep uh, self-soothe, weaning by this point, otherwise it's called extended breastfeeding, Um, solids by this point, um, school at this age, uh, so much in there. A part of me sometimes still, and we're going to be having more children. I doubt it will change. I think it will come up for me because it is one of my kind of shadow things that I'm continuously working on. But because I know that I'm doing something that is outside of the norm in quite literally everything that I do, there is an element of having to prove myself. Um, getting to a certain point with my child in EC, in um, eating really, really well and not introducing any sugar for the longest time in screen time is a big one for me at the moment. That's a huge one for me at the moment. Um, uh, And the regressions that happen, the sleep regression, you know, her coming back into the bed with me, which... Honestly, I missed her so much. And it was interesting um, having a newborn and the toddler and Tobias then. I went from having a bed all to myself uh, get and, and Tobias and her sleeping together happily. There were no tears. It was a really great transition. And then being able to be pregnant in my bed but and then have it, having the baby and then her coming back in and actually welcoming it. But there, it wasn't always that easy. And I think when you are doing something that is um, against what so many people deem as, you know, safe even, you know, um, feeding my child certain foods at certain ages or or myself certain foods while pregnant, you know, um, there's, for me, there's a sense of when I do have a bit of a step back, I am hesitant to tell people because I am, um, very aware of the fact that, or I worry of the judgment of, ha, see, told you, or ha, see, it's not as easy as you think it is, or, you know, um, whatever that looks like. So I just want to bring that up because I think a lot of, a lot of women I've talked to feel the same. Um, and it is a big deal being able to put your hand up and be like, yep, we did EC and it was great for months and months and months, but then I got really, really busy and I put a nappy on him. You know, it's such a simple thing to just say that, but in the moment, it's really hard. Mm. I, I resonate so much with so many threads in there, that fear of judgment when you choose to do things the, you know, alternative way. Um, and that, pressure I put on myself when I'm when my mothering or the practices we've chosen in parenting are on display for other people particularly maybe with um yeah with family or you know and then the EC is a great example for that because I remember telling my parents and my grandparents who live in Canada that we were doing EC and um you know we had seen someone else do it and we thought this is great and so we were doing it and I just got like the the response from my own mom was, well, don't be surprised if it doesn't work. I don't want you to be disappointed. Um, you know, don't put too much pressure on yourself. And I'm just feeling confident and feeling stoked. And I know that's coming from a place of, yeah, well, maybe wanting to protect me or just complete 
an utter misunderstanding. <laughs> um, and I remember the feeling when we went to Canada uh, over the winter to see my family, had a beautiful trip getting to come home as a mother and introduce Bodhi to his grandparents. It was so cool. And um, we were driving home from the airport with my mom and dad and Bodhi's in the car seat next to me. And he tells me that he needs to use the toilet. And I was like, Oh dad, like we're on the highway. I was like, dad, can you pull over? And so he's like, okay. And I'm like, Oh Bodhi, hold it. If you can, we're going to pull over Deli. We pull over the car. I get out my little top hat potty. Um, <laughs> cars are just whizzing by at like 100 kilometers an hour but it's safe we're in a safe place and he does this poo and I'm just like yes like I'm just beaming with pride Dave and I are just having this like secret little fist bump because we're like see see look it works it happens um and then like it was amazing <laughs> and you know my parents are like whoa what he's only one and he's telling you he needs da 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 and then fast forward two weeks and we're in a brand new environment. There's quite a bit of stress, quite a bit of change. We have our first ever potty pause, just complete and utter refusal, and which lasted three weeks. And it was so humbling for me to have both those experiences of the, yeah, the, the pride and then the like fear of judgment or like, oh my God, and now it's that's on display. And what that really shows me is just how much our egos, or at least for me, how much my ego is attached to the way I choose to parent. Um, and, you know, there is such a desire in me to, to have the approval of the people I love and respect. Um, and so to have a moment of recognizing like, oh God, how much pressure is that putting on me? How much pressure is that putting on my son? Yeah. Um, and not just allowing him to be a child like you said to just yeah take that pressure off our children and take that pressure off ourselves but also the reality of not feeling in society that we are always fully supported in our out the gate parenting choices <laughs> or feeling like we have to prove or justify why we're choosing to do something that might be deemed unsafe or impractical or just plain hard it's like yeah, you know, the response to, oh, I'm so tired and I just wish I could have more sleep. Someone who's not in your lived experience might say like, well, why don't you just night wean and why don't you just put him in his own bed? And I'm like, well, I'm not asking for your advice and I'm actually very happy with the choices that I'm making. What I'm saying is it's hard sometimes and what I'd love for you is just a hug or like, you know, support in this moment that, wow, sounds like that's really hard for you. Wow, sounds like you're really tired. Um, yeah, just that that whole dance and yeah and again we come back to community right like what it means to be held by people and not saved by people to be held and not heroed to uh, it happens in birth it happens in pregnancy it happens in bleeding it happens in everything and you said a word earlier which is um the whole it seems like the um theme of this season of out the gate parenting but really it's just my theme I'm, I'm on this journey of i just refuse where i can to outsource anything um outsourcing i think has has crippled women and men for sure but women um we outsource our health we outsource our births 
we've lost our births, I I believe, in a huge way. I think there's a lot of women who are reclaiming and 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 we're relearning and rewilding is the new kind of word um circulating but as a as a as a thing that can be medicalized i believe we've lost it i think it's just it's been taken on so many levels and it spreads out from there you know we outsource um getting our children to sleep we outsource the milk we outsource the education we outsource the medicine it it really does blow my mind how many women I talk to who are just like I just need a I need a sounding board I need somebody to be like fuck yeah it's hard and it's gonna get it's gonna get better because you're learning you and your baby are learning together you're learning yourself you're a new person you're a new woman you're a mother now you're you, you know like I said earlier like you you show up with your partner in a different way. You show up with your peers in a different way and, and you show up with your children. And I learned that and I will continue learning it, of course, but there are really clear points in my life where I learned that. Um, and a big one was having another child. I was just like, Oh my God, I thought this shit was over. <laughs> I thought I, I thought I was like, okay with, and I don't mean the parenting journey that is forever. I mean, the feeling solid in my decisions, feeling unshakable. Now I feel that after my birth with um, free birthing Fred, Freddie, Alfred, um, that was a big step in the kind of direction of really claiming my decisions. Um, and I think it's natural for the universe to kind of toss stuff at, at us and have us really ground in our decisions and be like, no, yeah, this is what I want to do. But we're not supported. The, the way that the industrial systems are in place, it doesn't support that narrative. And community is something that is needed, craved. Um, and I actually posted something on Instagram just last night. And I said that I want this podcast to be the campfire that we crave to gather around and tell our stories because it's, we need to support each other. We need to know that we're not alone. We need to know that there's nothing linear about this. And that if we, if we want to be held, that that's possible, you know? And so that actually brings me onto something that I would love to dive into with you. And that is your mother circles you hold circles for women mm. where did that all start and what was the intention behind that and has, has that changed did you start before becoming a mom I did not do circles before becoming a mom I have a past as like a yoga teacher and um yeah holding space for meditation and breath work and for medicine journeys but the the focus on mothering certainly came about through my own experience. And oh, I just feel you so much in that the importance of community and having those safe spaces um, where we can be lovingly held in whatever choices we're making. Um, yeah, and, and it's like, I feel like the safety in expressing choices or, or thoughts that might be considered unconventional 
either to the mainstream narrative or to the a complete opposite end. Like, you know, I just think we're all such a mix in how we choose to parent and mother. Um, it's, you know, and I love that being a walking contradiction sometimes. It's like I might choose to do one thing, you know, that seems really mainstream and one thing not. So it's like, you know, finding our own way, but having the safety of community to just be held and witnessed in that um, was certainly a driving force behind our mother's circles. So when I, you know, there is a bit of a backstory here. In my postpartum time, I didn't really have any close girlfriends living nearby. And we had this beautiful postpartum plan where I think every week for the first six weeks, I had a girlfriend come stay for three days. And it was with the understanding that this wasn't the social time. I was just going to be in bed with my baby doing whatever. And they were kind of coming to be the village and to do the cooking and to do the cleaning and to allow me and Dave to sleep. Um, and it was amazing and so supportive. Um, and I got lots of massages and just absolutely yum. Um, but then those six weeks were over and everyone had to, you know, people go back to their lives. And I really didn't have a consistent thread locally of another woman, mother, who was that safe space for me when I was really in the depths. Like, I think those first several months were just, yeah, quite heavy and quite dark. And I just found such an intense, such an intense time for it to just be me and my husband at home with our baby when we're meant to be, yeah, have that consistent thread of support. Um, and when I was, when my son was four months old, I connected with another mother whose son was eight weeks old. So our boys are two months apart. And we just, it was like the feeling in meeting this woman who lives like a 10 minute drive from me was like, the universe had just gifted us to each other. It was like uncanny how much we needed each other. And, oh, actually it's making me, <laughs> oh, feel so emotional and just my heart full of love. Um, we were such medicine for each other and we have been since then. And we've just kind of done life together with our boys since then. And you know, I'm so grateful for all the friends in my life who live far, but to have one person locally who I, you know, it can just be a cup of tea or in those early days, it was having our, both our boys just sleeping on us while we sat on the couch together and talked or one of us on the bouncy ball and one on the couch, holding our babies, just being together in it, going through it together was just the absolute medicine I needed. It completely transformed my experience of motherhood, you know, and, and I have a very supportive husband. I do not have, he's been amazing since day one, but women need other women. And there's a level of understanding that we give to each other that we just, that is just unparalleled in the being seen and witnessed. So I almost feel for Zana and I, it was seeing the impact that our relationship had on each other and on our quality of life that led to this idea of a mother circle where how could we bring some of that potency to the women in our community around us? Um, 
So it was really with the intention of a safe space to come as you are, hair disheveled, sleep deprived, crying, milk stained clothes, whatever state's going on, you know, and to just be embraced and welcomed in that and to be witnessed in it without being saved. That really, and that's been another, so I love that you brought that up too. That's been such a thread that we've tried to carry over into that space is like, and we always say it at the start of every circle because it's always different women coming and going. Um, you know, we're not here to cast judgment. We're not here to give advice. We're not here looking for answers from anyone. We're just here to witness one another in this experience of motherhood and to have a chance to be held by other women, have a chance to reflect, have a chance to share. So it's kind of been a, yeah, we always do a meditation, um, which looks quite different with children than it, you know, did in the, the, the maiden days. Um, so we do a meditation, we drink cacao, we do a sharing circle. And Zan is a kinesiologist, so she does a, a group balance for us, which is, it's been a really nourishing space. And it has evolved because when we started almost a year ago now, our boys couldn't walk. And it's quite, it is quite, I think in the newborn phase, I thought it was hard, but now having a toddler, <laughs> you just see how every phase comes with new challenges. <laughs> But having that mother circle space with a baby just sleeping on your chest or all they're doing is feeding and sleeping, it's quite easeful to be in that space. But then with the toddler, the energy starts to expand where it's like they have the capacity to leave the room. It's like, oh, shit, I'm guiding a meditation. And where's my son? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I will say we have been at a point of flux. And now we're just kind of feeling into, okay, the boys are getting older. Um the reality is just that the space looks different and how can we tweak it so that it still feels nourishing for us as space holders and feels nourishing to the mothers and feels like a fun place for the kids. So yeah, we're at a point in flex with the mother circles, but we know that that initial feeling and the importance of sitting together as mothers in community being witnessed is really important to us. And we still want to bring that to the community um, we're just not quite sure how that's gonna keep evolving yeah and I think I completely completely feel you on that one I live like I said very very rurally and um I I haven't been able to find uh, I have women around me for sure but th there's depths that I'm missing and there's depths there's places i can't go because it is taboo to talk about some things that i want to or um even just talking about how hard covid was for us um having a, a new baby in the middle of a pandemic and and not feeling like we could reach out and and have anything tangible to hold on to we've we've loved our time north and it means that we've actually discovered that we want a little bit of density now we want to be able to like go somewhere and kind of meet lots of people expose our kids to lots of people um like i said i did shows all all through the pregnancy and then all up until he was about five months old 
Um, so they are used to, you know, a lot of kind of lights and noise and music and people and they thrive in it just like I used to. So I think we're, so we're moving from up north um, to be able to start our next adventure. But yeah, I think if I had that woman that you talk of, that you speak of in person um, when I moved here and when I was having um, my second pregnancy and going through all of that it just would have been life-changing um to be able to really talk about some of the hard the hard things in mothering in an, in an alternative way i suppose so wow what an episode we've covered a lot <laughs> in such a short amount of time and i just want to say thank you so much for coming on and talking about hard things but in such a beautiful way and and everything that we go through as women as as mothers learning our own boundaries teaching our sons and our daughters those boundaries giving them space it's it's a loaded thing so thank you for coming on and having such a fruitful conversation with me and I think we're definitely going to be going into another episode together because there's a couple of topics that we didn't touch on because they're huge. And one of them is nutrition, which I think we're both very passionate about. And we even had a little giggle about getting in the kitchen and making a meal together and just recording the <laughs> the kitchen talk. Um, and I love that. I would love to do that. I'll just have to figure out knocks and bangs and how to troubleshoot that one but and then another really huge subject is embracing traditional gender roles and feeling confident and comfortable in our ways of living and I just thought yeah I just love it all so thank you so much for coming on and we will be talking again thank you so much for having me Poppy it's it's actually been such a joy to sit here and be in your presence and just to yeah bounce back and forth I've had a lot of fun and I'm just feeling really grateful for this platform you've created for mums to sit around the fire together I'll link everybody um to you in the show notes so if when you do get these mother circles going with toddlers in tow I will be there as well because that I want to see that <laughs> amazing Cool. <laughs>